0: Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash DT. Happy to be here with you on Friday, December 1st. We have officially bid adieu to November 2017. We're in the final month of this year as we head toward Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, Kwanzaa, so on and so forth. Very excited about being here with you this morning. and We did start an hour behind. Our typical schedule is Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we had to start a little bit back with a schedule change, so we're here at 10 a.m. Eastern Time with you here. Thank you for those of you that ad libbed with us and made sure that you were here to listen in this morning. Greatly appreciate it and cannot thank you enough for your part in the broadcast. Here on Wake Up Call. With Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one stop sports shop, and on the live feed mixlrcom Call wakeupcalldt. Thank you so much for tuning in to the broadcast today. First and foremost on the show, we will start off with Fantasy Football Friday, which is December, or pardon me, here on December 1st, but every week from 10am to 11am eastern time every friday fantasy football friday graces the stage of the airwaves here on wake up call with mike sofka of FantasyFootball.com and of course myself from wake up call here on wake up call with dan tortora mike how are you doing today awesome how are you doing i'm doing well and mike the first thing that we have to discuss here in week 13 of the nfl is what the heck happened with the Washington Redskins and the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Dallas had beaten Washington earlier in the season, 33-19, to and they had the tiebreaker over them. Both teams came into the game with a 5-6 and six overall record, and it looked like the Redskins had an opportunity to pounce on the Cowboys, who are sans Sean Lee, sans Tyron Smith, Zach Martin obviously hurt, so two offensive linemen, you're quarterback of your defense in Sean Lee and Ezekiel Elliott. It seemed like the perfect opportunity for Washington to finally pass Dallas in the NFC East and still have a shot toward the wild card. However, the Cowboys at home took care of business, scored 38 points. It's their first win without Ezekiel Elliott. Thoughts on this game?
1: Yeah, well, Dallas did what they had to do. Other playmakers who needed to play Made plays. That's what big time programs do. Whether you're in a college program or the NFL, I mean, you look at the, you look at Switzer with the 83 yard punt return. I mean, well, actually, rewind that. Go back to the way the game really started. And the game really didn't start till the second quarter. But you know, you look at the Jason Witten touchdown. Then it was a Cousins fumble. Then that led to a Dan Bailey field goal. Then uh, you know Ryan Switzer returns the 83 yard punt return. And then within seven minutes. All of a sudden, Dallas is up seventeen nothing, and that's just hard. It, it, the Redskins aren't really built to come back from a large deficit. They they rely on some ground control, and then they throw some good passes, some some well timed plays, and then Samajic Parine, you know, goes out of the game with some potential concussion symptoms, and you know, it just it, it just steamrolled on him and got away from them, And they tried to call back, but it was just too much, too late.
0: Yeah, you know, it, and it's it's crazy how how this game went because the you know the expectation expectation of the game, the way that things have been going for the Cowboys was that the Cowboys were going to falter, have some missteps here, but they were able to come back. And I have to, I have to play this from David Bowie because you just said ground control, so I have to do this. Ground control to Major Tom. I, I had to do that. I had to get some David Bowie on the show today. Ground control to Major Tom. But, yeah, I mean, this this game with the Washington Redskins, I mean, obviously they've dealt with injuries here and there throughout the season, losing Samajay Prine, where he's finally started to look like he was getting some things done in the backfield the last couple weeks. That's tough. Rod Smith, who I thought would eventually become the guy that they would trust to give the ball to, young running back that they have. He was able to score a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Cowboys scored three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and two touchdowns and a field goal in the second quarter. It literally was half a game for both. Nobody scored in the first. Nobody scored in the third. They just scored to finish out the first half and finish out the second half. Ryan Grant and Josh Doxon, fantasy-wise, have come on as of late. Ryan Grant more so than Dachshund but Switzer I covered the kid when he was in North Carolina as a receiver and a return man so I want to shout him out with what he did in this game with the 83 yard punt return very difficult to have a punt return for a touchdown very few people do it from season to season and Ryan Switzer could put his name on the list as being one of the guys that got it done which was really really cool and and awesome for him as he is a rookie out of North Carolina drafted in the fourth round, 133rd overall this season. Uh, Cowboy-wise, I mean, obviously, Mike, you know, any notes as far as fantasy goes, I would venture to say that, you know, in this game, it's hard to pull back from Des Bryant ever. He's not getting a ton of yards, but he was able to get a touchdown. Witten was able to score as well. Alfred Morris and Rod Smith got touchdowns. Moving forward, I would still venture to say that Smith and Morris are tough to really lean on and tell somebody definitively to play them moving forward, but Dez Bryant's kind of the guy that you never want to leave off. Yeah,
1: I'm always going to play a Dez Bryant, you know, unless I have, you know, some sort of other blessing in my wide receiver crew, but, you know, I don't think Morris was too bad last night. You know, 27 rushes, 127 yards and a touchdown, you know, he, he, he... seemed to be there when they needed them to be there, which is, you know, in the NFL, you have to run the ball. If you can't run the ball in the NFL, you're not going to be able to pass the ball because one thing helps the other. So in the NFL, you you have to be able to run the ball. And I think Dallas was able to run the ball a little bit behind that good offensive line. It's just, you can see they missed Ezekiel. You really can if you look at the games closely and you look at the past several games. But at the same time, Dallas did what they needed to do collectively as a team, Special teams, defense was getting it done. They were getting the turnovers. And then when they were called on to produce, when the big-name players, Bryant, Witten, Morris, when they were asked to produce, they were able to produce. And that took the burden off Dak Prescott, who was pedestrian at best, 11 to 22 for 100, 100 yards, basically. So, you know, the team kind of did this as a team. And that's that, that was the most promising thing if you're a Dallas fan.
0: Yeah, you know, and Dallas obviously was was able to, you know, keep their slim playoff hopes alive right now in in winning this game, which comes up big for them moving forward. And like you said, you know you know that that this team has looked different. Dak Prescott, 11 of 22, he did have two touchdowns and no picks, which is better than what he's done in recent weeks where he's thrown five interceptions over two weeks. So he has looked a little bit better. It says a lot about Washington's defense because Dallas has been – terrible since they lost Ezekiel Elliott and not having Sean Lee and not having Tyron Smith and Zach Martin's injury. So to look at all of that coupled together, I mean, to see what Dallas did in this game to score 38 points, I think this is kind of one of those games where you say Washington didn't have a good night and Dallas caught on and was able to get some things done. I don't know if this is the resurgence of the Cowboys. I would temper a lot of people's expectations of saying that, you know, oh my God, the Cowboys are back. Now they're in ninth place. They're six and six. They're behind Detroit, Seattle, and Atlanta. So they have some work to make up here if they want to get in. And and Philadelphia, Minnesota, Los Angeles, New Orleans, Carolina, they're all playing well. Who would have thought that Carolina, New Orleans, and LA would all be eight and three right now? Minnesota, nine and two without Delvin Cook and Sam Bradford, and the Eagles best team in the NFL of 32 teams at 10-1, and one. the only game they lost was to Kansas City back when Kansas City used to be good. So, with that being said, we're jumping into the fantasy life and we're starting the first game off with Minnesota at Atlanta. What do you have for this one? With two teams, one in the playoffs right now if they started today and Atlanta vying for that final spot.
1: Well, this is a game where you're going to feature some receivers you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Julio Jones appears to be back now after a big game. And, you know, Adam Thielen is just climbing up the fantasy charts week in, week out. He's getting it done. So those are a couple guys that are wide receiver ones. You know, Stephon Diggs, you can't forget about him. He's going to be a wide receiver, too. Running back-wise, Devonta Freeman, I'm a bit hesitant against the... Minnesota run defense, and I'm also a bit hesitant coming back after the concussion. But, you know, if you're looking for an RB2, a low-end RB2, Devonta Freeman, you know, knocked down a couple pegs this week. He's still going to share some of his touches, of course, with Tevin Coleman. And Jerick McKinnon an RB3, maybe a flex for you. You know, it's kind of weird how they're kind of divvying up those touches. Looks like Latavius Murray is ranked a little higher on my chart this week than McKinnon. And it seems to be McKinnon's going to get most of the touches. It's just Latavius may get most of the goal line touches. You know, quarterback-wise, Matt Ryan, low-end quarterback, one against a tough Minnesota defense. And Case Keenum, a quarterback, two. Atlanta is able to defend. Atlanta is able to pressure the quarterback at times. So that's going to be interesting. And, of course, Kyle Rudolph, number seven tight end overall this week. So it should be an interesting game for
0: some receiver play. Yeah, you know, this game looks like it's going to be one of those games that, I mean, you want to say that you think you know what's going to happen, and you think you know how everything's going to go down, but Minnesota has proven people wrong all throughout this year. I don't think there's anybody outside of maybe Minnesota that could sit here and say, yeah, you know, I knew Minnesota was going to be this good. I knew they were going to be on a seven-game winning streak, and that they were only going to lose two games, and that they'd be playing at the Falcons right now with an opportunity to have 10 wins on the season. Very few people have probably said that. Case Keenum is a high-end quarterback, too, for me. Latavius Murray, he does seem to be getting more of the action. He's getting more of the yardage. He's getting in the end zone. So Latavius is a guy that I lean on. Now, Jarek McKinnon's hard to say no to, but he can be very quiet. He only had 1.8 yards of carry on 13 carries last week, 23 yards. So Jarek McKinnon is a high-end Wide or A high-end running back four, in my opinion, right now. I would put him kind of in a flex position. But Latavius, a low-end two, high-end three, just because of consistency. Adam Thielen, I still think is your best bet at receiver. Stefan Diggs behind that. Kyle Rudolph obviously gets involved, and he's getting more involved once again, which is good to see. As far as any injuries to be of concern in this game, there's really nothing for Minnesota. to look on Atlanta's side injury-wise. Matt Bryant, their place kicker, he didn't practice Wednesday with a back injury. Julio Jones is questionable with an ankle injury. Teron Ward is questionable as well at the running back position. But, you know, on the side of the Atlanta Falcons for this game, the real big I mean the key ones are if Julio Jones plays now Julio Jones every year gets injured and it's a matter of time before it catches up with him typically I hope that that's not the case for him this season he's coming off a game with 253 yards and two touchdowns I obviously like Julio in the game I like Tevin Coleman if Julio is not at 100% Muhammad Sanu and Austin Hooper are a wide receiver three and a tight end three for me Hooper could be a low-end, two if if Julio Jones is hampered by the injury. So just watch out for those two guys. They may be out there for you in free agency, but Tevin Coleman and Julio Jones look to be the guys. Matt Ryan, his numbers haven't been great this year. Keenum's numbers are actually a little bit better recently, so that's why I kind of don't say too much about Matt Ryan in this game. Not that he's a terrible play, but he's a low-end one and Case is a high-end two just because of, you know, body of work. But Case can get you those two touchdowns, and he does stay away from interceptions, so just to kind of mark that one on your calendar if you need some help. New England at Buffalo, what do you have for this one? Well, you got some of the top players, you know, in some players
1: from New England, of course, you're talking about Tom Brady and Gronkowski. Typically, week in, week out, they're the number one option at quarterback and tight end. You don't have to be told that if you're lucky enough to have these guys on your team. You know what's going on, and if you're facing against them, you just got to hope to have an off game, but, um, you know, quarterback-wise, Tyrod Taylor. the surprise. I got him. You know, as a as a high end quarterback too. Number thirteen overall quarterback this week. You know, if you're looking for running back, Dion Lewis is the most. I, I think the most productive guy on the side of of New England. Especially in a PPR situation, he's going to get the touches and the passes. But watch out for Rex. Sorry, Rex. Rex Burkhead, he's been on the come up lately. He's a low end running back, too, flex play for you. But the thing I'm most impressed with is LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy, this whole game is going to rest on him. If New England can stop LaShawn McCoy, they're going to win the game because, well, it looks like Buffalo's somewhat one dimensional. But Buffalo's been able to turn it on as of late with some passing, with the thanks to Charles Clay coming back, and you know, Zay Jones has showed up. So that'll be interesting, but you got to not overlook Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, second only to Antonio Brown on my ranking this week. He's just a big play guy. He can break away. He can stretch the field. He can take a pass over the middle and make it a long play. So this is a guy that... Um, hopefully you have on your fantasy team. He's number two wide receiver this week on my rankings.
0: Yeah, for New England at Buffalo, and I agree with Mike on this one, you know, it goes through LaShawn McCoy. Tyrod Taylor and the relationship that he has with Buffalo or lack thereof is evident. It was evident at the end of last season. It's even more evident now. I'm surprised that they didn't try to move him based on just, you know, my gut coming out of last year and and how things felt, but... He is where he is right now, and and Buffalo, your best bet, is LeSean McCoy. Injury-wise, Jordan Matthews' knee injury, questionable. Nick O'Leary, backup tight end back injury, questionable. Calvin Benjamin's doubtful in the game. He hasn't done much of anything. Uh, Clay is a limited participant in Wednesday's practice this week. He is questionable in his return, so just... Watch out on that one and see where he's at as the week moves on. You can get the injury report by going to wakeupcalldt.com and under the Fantasy Football tab, clicking on NFL Injury Report. That fantasy report is proudly presented by 315 Chiropractic and Wellness and Dr. Tim Whiting. Tom Brady, Achilles, was limited on his side for New England. He's questionable. Chris Hogan is doubtful for this game. Amendola is questionable Matthew Slater is questionable. Martellus Bennett is on injury reserve, so he came back to the Patriots from the Packers just to fill up a roster spot and get money and not be able to give anything to the team. He hasn't played since he's been back, so really nothing to say about him. Now, the situation with him was kind of interesting, though, in that allegedly he he flipped his lid when Aaron Rodgers went down. And just stopped wanting to perform and play because he wanted to be on a Super Bowl team. And without Aaron Rodgers, he didn't care. And that's the alleged story. And now he's back on a team where he's hoping to win a Super Bowl. He's not going to play a game. For Buffalo, besides LaShawn McCoy, if Charles Clay is good to go, look to him. Zay Jones is a high-end wide receiver three. For New England, Tom Brady, obviously, if he's healthy enough to go. Deion Lewis and Rex Burkhead seem to be the go-tos. Brandon Cooks is finally turning on. And Rob Gronkowski, not a bad play either Rex Burkhead went to town he had two touchdowns one through one catching one receiving last year sir so, or one ca- I should say one catching one rushing this past week my mind is all over the place this morning it's been a long week folks but Rex Burkhead looks to help you out in fantasy to not make it a long weekend San Francisco at Chicago the battle of two terrible teams what do you have about this one? This
1: is the rough one if you like running backs this is a game but Not so much everywhere else. I mean, Carlos Hyde, number 10 overall running back this week. And, you know, not too far away from him. At number 9, I got Jordan Howard. So two low-end RB1s. But, you know, I hope you don't have a bad quarterback situation like either one of these quarterbacks or receivers or the tight end situation is a mess on both sides. But the the play of this game is, and, and I play in a lot of leagues where I stream the defense where every week I'm picking up the hot defense playing the matchup, and it seems to work. And if you're in that in that situation where you're dreaming a defense, or your defense is mediocre at best right now, you may consider picking up the Chicago defense, especially if you're playoff-bound, because this is a good matchup for the Chicago defense against Garoppolo, against San Francisco. I know Garoppolo looked great for that two-minute drill he did at the end of the game last week, but the Chicago defense is able to capitalize on mistakes, and they're in a position where they can really capitalize in this game at home. And let me tell you why you want to pick up the Chicago defense, not only for this week, but if you're slated to make the playoffs in Week 16, I think I don't have a schedule in front of me, but I think Chicago plays Cleveland, and Chicago, you're looking ahead to matchups. Remember what I always say at my website, if you're not two weeks ahead, you're a week behind, so... You know, with that in mind, you're going to get a good matchup with the Chicago defense this week. And then hopefully for your championship, you'll have a good defense as well.
0: Yeah, this game between San Francisco and Chicago, Mike brings up a point about Cleveland down the road when you look at Super Bowl time and getting around that time and in it deep into your playoffs when looking at who Chicago is going to be playing. You know, the, the enigma of this year has been Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. They combined for negative five yards this past week on nine carries, so that was fun. They and then and then this, I mean, that's the crazy thing about it. now. Philadelphia is really good. They played Philly in Philly. They won thirty-one to three. Philadelphia, everything is clicking with Philly right now. But Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, when you say you don't play them, they might do well. When you when you want to play them, they might piss you off. So both of them are flex players for me right now. Running back threes so to speak. Not one, not two. They're your threes. On the other side of it, Carlos Hyde, really the only guy that I would look to play. It's a running back war in this one in Soldier Field, and I'm really not looking. I'm not looking for a ton out of either side, and Kevin White is not going to be taken off of injury reserve, for those of you that were wondering that, which I'm hoping that you don't have to wonder that. I'm hoping that that's not a concern on your team right now. We're going to take a quick step aside for the Bay against the Bay. Tampa Bay, Green Bay, they'll be facing off after we come back from this Fast Break. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue, in the Home Depot Plaza, it is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base 487 2222 for the Wildcat family friendly sports pub and restaurant. Wow. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one stop sports shop. And on mixlr.com backslash wake up call DT. Just heard from some great partners in central and upstate New York that I'm proud to work with on my team. That's Carvel DeWitt, Drysig Lady, D R E I S S I G Lady.com. LJ Papaleo of Gilbo Realty. And you can give him a call. Make sure that you give him a call too, because for those of you that are looking for a house, thinking about putting the house up on the market, you know, whatever it may be. Maybe you want to move south at this time. Maybe you've just gotten to a point where you need to expand a little bit. I know that there's a couple coaches in the area that just need more space in their house, so they're looking for a home. Well, L.J. Papaleo is the person to call 315-748-2524. That is 315-748-2524. So make sure that you give him a call and let him help you out. And uh, and obviously, he's uh, he's allegedly helped out the guy from home alone, as you just heard a moment ago. And the Market Diner, big shout-out to them. In the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner. Right here, we're in Fantasy Football Friday, Week 13, with Mike Sofka of HallofFameFantasyFootball.com, myself, Dan Totoro of WakeUpCallDT.com, and the Market Diner proudly bringing you the Dan Tortora special daily. Make sure you go out and get that. One of the top sellers that they have on-premises at the Market Diner exclusively, and it was just voted top five sandwich in Central New York, so big ups to that. Mike and I are here to discuss the Bays in the next game up, and that is Tampa Bay at Green Bay. Thoughts, Mike?
1: Yeah, this is going to be an interesting game in a couple different lines here fantasy-wise. Jameis Winston coming back after the injury here. I I, I got to see something first, so I've got him downgraded to number seventeen quarterback this week. And then Brett Hundley on the other side, because Tampa's pass defense has been so weak, I got him just a notch under Jameis at number eighteen this week. You know he's found a nice connection to Devonte Adams. I think you can count on him as a number ten wide receiver this week. And then, of course, on the other side of the ball, Mike Evans, he's always the man for Tampa Bay, no matter who's the quarterback. Mike Evans the number eight wide receiver this week. You know, Jamal Williams has been doing an okay job running the ball. He's their guy. There's not really anybody else back in the mix. Doesn't look like Ty Montgomery's going to be back. Doesn't look like Aaron Jones is going to be back. Looks like he is going to be the bell cow. So I got him as the number 11 running back this week because I think that Green Bay is going to be able to move the ball against Tampa Bay, especially when you consider it's going to be a home game. Should be a little bit of a chill in the air. Now, at the tight end position, this is where it's a little bit interesting to me for Tampa because O.J. Howard has been on the tick up and Cameron Braid on the way down. But now Jameis is back, no more Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I think we may see a resurgence of Cameron Braid, but I'm not sure you can rely on either one of those guys. And on Tampa's side of the ball running, the running back situation's in flux cause well it looks like Doug Martin may not make the, the 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 game this week due to the injury and now it looks like Jacquez Rogers is gonna get a lion share of carries. Peyton Manning did get Peyton Manning listen to me, Peyton Barber did get, you know, a, you know a couple touchdowns last week, got the goal line touches, and it looks like we're gonna depend on Jaquiz Rogers between the twenties.
0: Yeah, this game is definitely gonna gonna cause some open Opportunities for some of these fantasy guys that you may be able to go out and snag up. Jacquez Rodgers is one of them. Peyton Barber is the other. They're both running back threes for me this week because of the fact that Doug Martin was a non participant coming out of his concussion protocol and obviously hoping that he gets better. Uh, injury wise, Ty Montgomery is doubtful for the game. Aaron Jones is questionable, limited participant with a knee injury. Those are your two running backs on Green Bay that aren't named Jamal Williams. And on the other side of it, for Tampa, Deshaun Jackson's questionable with a foot injury. Breit is on the injury report due to a hip issue. He was listed as limited in practice this week. And then Doug Martin, concussion, like I said, non-participant. So that's something to look out for. My thoughts on this one as far as who to play. I like Mike Evans in the game. OJ Howard, and I agree. OJ Howard and Cameron Bray, you don't really know where to lean with either one of these guys. They're both low-end twos because they're not bad to have, but they may not get you much. They may get you six yards and a touchdown. They may get you 50 yards and no touchdowns, or they might be relatively insignificant. Now, the thing is, it's good to have both, but it's bad to take up two spots with them. So you got to make a choice. OJ Howard's been trending up, but every quarterback has their receivers, Cameron Brate more Jameis Winston, O.J. Howard, more Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I would lean on Brate, but you have to watch the injury report for him. And like I said, either one of these guys is not my first option at tight end. Mike Evans, like I said, yeah, he's worth a play. Jacquez Rogers and Peyton Barber, if you got to throw another running back out there, a third or a fourth, not bad options, either one of them in this matchup. Jamal Williams is a good one. And Devontae Adams, I told you don't give up on the man. So put him out there. Randall Cobb as a high-end wide receiver three. Devontae is still a guy I'd put out in my one or my two. And Jamal Williams is a nice backup running back for you this week. Next up in the matchup is Houston at Tennessee. Thoughts on the new Houston franchise versus the old Houston franchise?
1: Yeah, well, in this game, you got like Marcus Mariota. He's a low-end quarterback, one versus Houston's defense. You know, I think they still miss J.J. Watt. You know, they've been able to pressure the quarterback with Clowney and company still. But, you know, there, there's some unanswered questions on both sides of the ball defensively, in my opinion. You know, I'm looking at the, uh, at the quarterback situation on the other side of the ball. Tom Savage, that's just the brutal situation. I, I, I feel bad for Houston fans, but that's what you have. You have Tom Savage. He's the bottom-rated Quarterback on my rankings this week. Lamar Miller had a great game last week. He's the number 15 running back this week. And, you know, I like DeMarco Murray, but he's been getting cannibalized by Derrick Henry. And it looks like Derrick Henry's a stronger runner. He just can't overtake DeMarco Murray. So, DeMarco Murray, number 21 running back this week. Derrick Henry, the number 32 running back this week. And, you know, for receivers, i got to go with DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to be behind. They're going to be throwing the ball, and he's your number one guy. And even though he has a bad quarterback situation, he's going to get his. He's going to get his targets, he, and therefore he's going to get his catches. Therefore he's going to get his yards and maybe even a touchdown. And for receiving on Tennessee's side, you really only can lean on the tight end, Delanie Walker. He seems to always show up. Looks like he's going to be hurting out of the game, then he bounces back and makes a big play. So this is a guy who's a number four tight end this week.
0: Yeah, looking at this matchup between the two, Houston Texans against the old Houston Oilers, the Tennessee Titans. DeAndre Hopkins is the only one I feel good about on Houston side of things. Will Fuller, the fifth, is not doubtful this game with his rib injury. He's actually questionable in the game, so just watch out for that because some people might have dropped him, and he was playing very well when he was playing, so... Just keep your eye on that if you need to dig deep this week, and if you're setting up like Mike and I talk about for the future, and like Mike always says, to be a couple steps ahead. So, DeAndre Hopkins, not a bad play. Watch Will Fuller. On the other side of it for Tennessee, uh, DeMarco Murray and Richard Matthews are both on the injury report. It's questionable. Delaney Walker is the one I feel best about. DeMarco and Derek, they're okay. DeMarco had nine yards, but had a touchdown in the last game, so... Derrick Henry DeMarco are kind of like Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard, but a little bit better. They're flex guys that I kind of feel okay about, but I don't feel good enough about to make them my designated running back ones or twos. Uh, Delaney Walker, like I said, he's the one that I feel best about in this matchup. Next up is Denver at Miami. Thoughts? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting
1: game, but for all the wrong reasons. Interesting meaning, well, both teams are going to have suspect quarterback play you know, you got Jay Cutler coming back. He's he's out. He's back. He's good. He's bad. I, I really don't know what you have in Jay Cutler. He's still a bottom end quarterback. And then, he, he, you know, on the other side of the ball here, I'm not sure that the Broncos have it going on at quarterback either. I'm not sure they know of a direction. Looks like now they're back to Trevor Simeon. You know, he didn't get benched because he was he was lighting it up. And then they've been through you know Osweiler and Paxton Lynch. So. It looks like they're going to have to rely on Trevor Simeon now. I still think he's the better of the three, but what do I know? Maybe they were just giving those other guys looks because the record is so abysmal at this point. You know, this is going to be a boring game for fans as far as if you're looking for division, if you're looking for uh, wins, if you're looking for great football play. But there is going to be some gems that you're going to be able to find Four fantasy, and one of those guys is a low-end guy that we've talked about last year, and now he's back on the radar again, and Devontae Booker seems to be taking over the job from C.J. Anderson, seems to be the better of the two choices right now, so I got Devontae Booker as a, as a high-end running back three, but look for him to continue to tick up. He may even be available on the waiver wire in some leagues, and you know what? Running the ball on the other side, we talked about the Kenyon-Drake and Damian Williams split, well, now Damian Williams is dinged up, so that launches Kenyon Drake up the charts. He's the number 14 running back this week. And when I'm looking at wide receivers, I can look at Jarvis Landry. I can look at uh, 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 Thomas, Demaryius Thomas. But I don't know what else to look at there. I, I I don't see the value because of the poor quarterback play. And same thing with the tight end position. I'm in, you know, having a hard time. I'm hard-pressed to... The trust in anybody else receiving the ball in this game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this game, it looks like it could be, you know, two boring teams playing up against each other until somebody just eventually... I mean, it's like two teams that are just kind of... It's like watching Mortal Kombat. And you're right at that part where the guy's wavering and it says, Finish him. Like, that's exactly what this game feels like to me. Who's going to get finished in this game, Mortal Kombat style. So, you know, as far as injuries go, really nothing outside of Paxton Lynch with Denver. With Miami, Matt Moore has got a lot of injuries going on, apparently. Damian Williams' shoulder injuries going on. Landry's got a knee injury, which has left him questionable. So, I mean, my question is, do we call Tom Tupa, the old punter who filled in for the Jets when they lost all their quarterbacks, if Jay Cutler goes out of this game and there's no Matt Moore and Ryan Tannehill is already out for the season. So that is my question to you. Denver, who do I like? Cody Latimer and Benny Fowler the third, believe it or not, are not bad flex in my mind. Benny Fowler the third is really not a bad choice for me of the two because of the fact that he was good in the beginning of the year when Trevor Simeon was there and now Trevor Simeon looks to be back and he's not bad right now and just scored recently with a touchdown. So Benny Fowler's probably out there for you to pick up as a flex. Demarius Thomas, it's hard to say no to, but it's also hard to say yes to. He has been completely affected by the three-headed quarterback issue. He's not a bad player, but I feel better about the Benny Fowlers and the Cody Latimers of the world than I do about Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders right now. They're playing Miami though. So Demarius... A low-end wide receiver, too. He's a guy like Dez, where even if he has a bad week, it's hard to keep him off the field. A Kenyon Drake for me, because Denver's so bad, I don't mind putting Kenyon Drake out there as a third option at running back. And Kenny Stills is is my thought over Jarvis Landry if Jarvis is, is injured right now, and that seems to carry over. Next game up is Kansas City at New York. This looked like it would be a cakewalk for Kansas City at the beginning of the year. Now, Kansas City has to win this game to stay in the playoff hunt.
1: Yeah, and I would, you know, conventional wisdom would dictate that Kansas City is a better team here, but the Jets are playing at home, and the Jets do have a formidable defensive front, and that's real important in the NFL. If you can protect a quarterback and if you can rush the quarterback, you're going to have some success. But, you know, Kansas City hasn't been getting it done. They haven't been connecting, they haven't been making progress the past few weeks. They've been getting subpar performances based on the the start-of-the-year performances from Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill. These are guys that everybody expected to make big plays and tear it up, and they went out there and did, and now they're suffering because it's not happening. I don't know where to point the finger. I don't know if it's Alex Smith. I got him as the number 12 quarterback this week, which is a downgrade for him. I also have the running back, Kareem Hunt, downgraded to number 12, low-end running back one this week because he hasn't been getting it done And then same thing with Tyreek Hill. He's on the top end of the wide receiver, twos. So, you know, these guys were normally in the top five in their respective positions. The only guy from Kansas City that seems to be showing any consistency is Travis Kelsey, number three overall tight end this week. And for the Jets, looks like Austin Seferian Jenkins is starting to show up. Looks like they're starting to target him, especially in the red zone. So you you definitely want to play him there. He's a tight end, too, number 14 tight end this week. Receiving-wise for the Jets, well, I don't know who they're going to rely on. I guess Robbie Anderson's their only answer. He's a low-end wide receiver one. And then Matt Forte and Bilal Powell seem to be the guys that are getting it most done. But I can't count on either one of those guys, and Forte's dinged up right now. So, running I, – I, most of the value is on Kansas City side of the ball. And I don't have to tell you if you have Travis Kelsey. He's the one must play.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The, this, this matchup between the two, Kansas City and New York at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, you would think, like Mike said, that Kansas City would take care of this. But who would have thunk that Alex Smith would outrun Kareem Hunt against the Buffalo Bills in a loss? So, you know, Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, hard to keep off your roster. So I still put him out there if you got him. But Travis Kelsey is your best bets longevity-wise. They all looked bad in the game against Buffalo, so, and, and you know that says something because Buffalo's fighting for the playoffs and Kansas City's fighting to stay in and they have to fight off the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, the Los Angeles Chargers have a chance of making the playoffs this year because of Kansas City and how they have responded to the strong start that they had. So Hunt and Hill still worth putting out there. Kelsey, your best bet. On the other side of it, Jermaine Curse is injured, and so is Matt Forte. They're both questionable to play moving forward. Robbie Anderson's been the guy, though. I am so happy that a few weeks back, like three or four weeks ago, I said I need somebody. It was right before game time. I said I have little to no choices. I chose Robbie Anderson over, I think, Devin Funchess. It was one of those... And I said, you know what, I'm going to give him a shot. He looks like a guy who's been turning on lately, and he absolutely did turn on. And he had two touchdowns most recently, and the man has scored, I think it's all, five, all the last five weeks he's had at least one touchdown. So shout out to Robbie Anderson, who looks like a really good fantasy play above other people that you expect to be better. Before we take our next step aside, Indy and Jacksonville in Everbank Field in Florida. What do you think about this one?
1: I'll be going to this game, and I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing the Jaguars improve play here, although they didn't look too improved last week. Looks like they gave that game away, if you ask me. Blake Bortles has been a little more impressive. He's a high-end quarterback, too. That's been a part of their success. Leonard Fournette, of course, number three running back. He's going to be the top guy. As long as he's healthy and on the field, they're going to ground and pound, and that's what they do. On the other side of the ball, Jacoby Brissett, probably won't be able to get it done against that tough jacksonville defense both the secondary and their ability to pressure the quarterback is dynamic making them the number one scoring defense in fantasy and in the nfl and you know if you're looking at frank gore he's still going to get the touches he's still going to get the carries he's a bottom end running back through this week at number 24 receiver wise jacksonville's dinged up the allens are dinged up marquise lee is dinged up you may find hidden value if you're desperate for a flex or a deep wide receiver league if you're looking for a Keenan Cole. If you're looking for a D.D. Westbrook, these guys may surprise you, you may be able to get some sort of value if you're really desperate in a situation due to injury or something. But if you're looking further down the line here, I don't really see value. In the tight end position, outside of Jack Doyle, Jack Doyle trying to get it done, and he seems to get it done every week. That's the one positive connection Brissett seems to have. I got Jack Doyle as the number eleven tight end this week, and of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention T.Y. Hilton. But against that Jacksonville defense, he's no better than a wide receiver three this week.
0: Yeah, Jacksonville's defense has turned on. Remember the last game they played in in Indianapolis? They shut out. The Colts so I look at the Jaguars defense and special teams in this matchup as well as playing Jaguars Blake Bortles quarterback he's a low-end one for me because he's playing Indy this week Leonard Fournette has an opportunity to get things done after having a quiet week T.J. Yeldon not a bad flex guy and D.D. Westbrook is somebody also Keelan Cole because of the fact of Marquise Lee not doing much lately and he has been hampered by injury so the Jaguars I feel best about in this matchup are Blake Bortles, Leonard Fournette and D.D. Westbrook but T.J. Yeldon and Keelan Cole and obviously the Jaguars defense defensive special teams all are a look to play if you have if you have the Jaguars defense defensive special teams I shouldn't have to tell you to play them you should just do it. Frank Gore he's a high-end running back three for me this week Jack Doyle is a low-end tight end one for me this week and Marlon Mack He's a nice change of pace guy, and he's been able to do some nice things, but he's a running back four for me is is kind of what I look at for this week. I think he could do some things because they might be keying in on Frank Gore, but he's playing a really strong defense. So this is probably not the week to play Marlon Mack, but my gut is that he could surprise some people because he may not be keyed in on a lot. So just if you want to grab him and stash him, you want to throw him out there if you have an extra spot, I'm just kind of making a little notification there. We'll take a fast break and be back to wrap up Fantasy Football Friday in just a moment.
1: This is a wake-up call,
0: Fast Break. The Wildcats Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue. 487 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to be here with you on the broadcast. This segment of the show, Fantasy Football Friday, is proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub. your home for fantasy football, watching football all throughout the week, as well as not just the NFL, but college football, college basketball, soccer, hockey, basketball, in the NBA, whatever you love, whatever you fancy, tennis. Whatever it is, you can find it at the Wildcat on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York. And you got to get out there and try their boneless wings with the house sauce, the chicken Caesar wrap, their curly fries. They're like, I don't even know how they're called comma fries. I've never seen anything like them. they got awesome flavor. They're great. Get out there. The menu's got more than enough for you to decide from. Wildcat Sports Pub, the home of the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge. All four leagues up here in Central New York, and a big ups to all of them and everything that they have to offer. So thank you so much for all that they do at the Wildcat Sports Pub. Next up on the docket is Detroit at Baltimore. Thoughts on this, Mike, as Detroit tries to stay in the playoff hunt, and, I, and crazily, Baltimore does too.
1: Well, this game is uh, a couple underachievers, both at six and five, and both teams are underachieving in different areas. And the primary concern in Baltimore is the quarterback play. This is a guy they just wrote a giant check for, Joe Flacco, and he's not getting it done. Quite frankly, he's been abysmal at best. He's the number 29 quarterback this week. You know, when the only guys below you on my ranking are Cutler and Savage and Jacoby Brissett. You're not playing well, and you're not worthy of a $100 million contract. But on the other side of the ball, they've been getting some better play. But then Baltimore's defense is pretty tough, too. So you got to kind of temper your expectations with Matt Stafford. He's a quarterback, too, this week. And then running back. You know, you would think that you would get some solid play somewhere on the field from one of these teams, and they just don't seem to be getting it done. Maybe Alex Collins, he's a running back, too. Uh, but you look at the other side of the ball, Amir Abdullah doesn't appear to be getting it done. He's the number 30 running back this week on my rankings. And then receiver-wise, both teams are capable of moving the ball and making stuff happen. I think the bright spot for Detroit's been Marvin Jones. He's the number 16 receiver this week. And then if you're looking for value on the other side of the ball and receiver, well, I just don't see it. I don't see anybody on the Baltimore receiving core worth stepping up, and that's primarily – because of the poor play at quarterback from Joe Flacco, you know, tight end wise as well, it's a struggle to find somebody that you can count on and put out there for some points. So, underachieving players, underachieving teams. There's a bright spot in Alex Collins, though.
0: Yeah, Alex Collins is somebody that you know I've I've appreciated over time. Here, he's one of those guys that you know I kind of caught. It was the first within the first four weeks, he was the only bright spot when Baltimore played the Jaguars. In London. And I I took a step back and I said, you know, he might end up being the guy because Terrence West and Javoris Allen were supposed to be the guy. And neither one of them has been the guy. And Alex Collins was the only person to do anything of any merit in a 44 to 7 loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that never left my brain. And I said, you know what? This could be a steal. And it has been. Because he has been the only bright spot, really, consistently, of Baltimore's offense. I want to go first and foremost to the injury report to give you any noteworthies here. For Baltimore, there's nobody offensively to really be concerned about. As far as Detroit goes, you only have Amir Abdullah. Neck injury has left him questionable. And going into this game with Detroit at Baltimore... You know, Matty Stafford's not a bad play in this one. Marvin Jones Jr. getting back to scoring. Kenny Galladay, I like him too. Outside of that, on the other side with Baltimore, it's Alex Collins. Mike Wallace has tried to turn on a little bit here, but the only guy I really feel good about consistently is Alex Collins. As far as receiving, Mike Wallace has had a very quiet season with some bright spots. Chris Moore's had some bright spots. Danny Woodhead's back. He's had moments here and there, but not a ton of yardage per usual. And Jeremy Macklin has fallen out of favor, it looks like, in the in the past recent history here for Baltimore. So Alex Collins to me is is really the only guy to discuss. Cleveland at the Los Angeles Chargers. The Los Angeles Chargers got a perfect opportunity here as two LA teams are in the playoff hunt. The Chargers have a chance to make it, and they're playing an 0 11 Cleveland team.
1: They seem to be able to get things done when they need to. They seem to be able to step up, and I think this is going to be an all Charger game. I look for value on a Chargers side of the ball at every position, including Phillip Rivers, the number five quarterback this week. On the other side of the ball, Deshaun Kaiser, not so much a number 26 quarterback. And, you know, he's struggling because, well, he's Deshaun Kaiser and because it's Cleveland. You know, he does have a couple bright spots there. I'll get to that in a minute. But it should be a game filled with some Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon's been able to turn it on recently. And, you know, on the other side of the ball, Duke Johnson, especially in a PPR league, gives you some value. He's an RV3. And then receiver, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's been a terror. He's been tearing it up. Number three wide receiver this week. Now, here's where it gets tricky, and here's where you want to set yourself up for success. If you got some room on your bench, you know, uh, Josh Gordon's coming back, and he's going to start. And people may have fallen asleep on this guy, and people may say, well, I'm going to take the wait-and-see approach, and that would be my approach from the outside looking in. But I've done some, some research here, and I've been looking at Josh Gordon for quite a few weeks. I've rostered him for quite a few weeks in quite a few leagues. This is a guy who's going to come in and explode on the scene. This is a guy who, if you've been watching his training and so forth, I know it's been two and a half years since he's really stepped foot in a meaningful game, but I have a lot of faith in what Josh Gordon is able to do. I know he's had his problems and his challenges. Hopefully that's behind him, but it looks like Josh Gordon may be able to surprise some people. Now, only take this risk if you're able to take a risk or if you have to take a risk in rostering him don't take a wide receiver one, two, or three and replace him. But if you've got room on your bench, by all means, stick him on the bench. And that's going to open things up eventually for Corey Coleman as well. Corey Coleman's a lot better than most people wide receiver twos, but he's not quite a top-level wide receiver one, so you just got to kind of balance that. And then tight end, there's really not much. Hunter Henry's been inconsistent at best. Looks like he's back on the radar. He's the number 13 tight end
0: this week. Yeah, it's, it's it's funny how when you're the Browns and a guy hasn't played for you for two years, you want him to go out there and play for you right away. It says where the Browns stand right now as a franchise, but it should be no surprise to anyone because this is where they have stood for a long time. So absolutely, the fact that he's going to start says a lot about where the Browns are at 0-11, that, you know, at this point, they would just go to the bars, local bars in Cleveland, and if a guy looks good, then hey, not. Why not put him out on the team and give him a chance and give him an opportunity? Cleveland in this game, Josh Gordon, if if... <laughs> If you need a flex, if you want to take a flyer, if you're about rolling the dice the week before your playoffs or the first week of your playoffs, then I guess you roll the dice. Corey Coleman could be helped by this. Either one of them is a flex guy. I feel like I'm saying wide receiver three and four a lot this week, but that's because a lot of these guys haven't been Overperforming or even performing to their caliber depending on who they are as far as anybody other than that I got nothing for you for Cleveland Los Angeles wise this team has been turning on as of late they're five and six and they have an opportunity to go 500 I like Philip Rivers in the game I like Melvin Gordon in the game I like Austin Eckler in the game I like Keenan Allen in the game and Hunter Henry in this matchup next one up is New York at Oakland the Giants at the Raiders and Ben McAdoo his infinite wisdom is starting Geno Smith against the Oakland Raiders.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a a terrible game for fantasy because I don't know who the wide receivers are. You know, Amari Cooper's in a concussion protocol, Crabtree's suspended. You know about all the injuries, a wide receiver for the Giants. So there's not a lot of value there. But if you're looking for value, and if you're looking for a guy to fill out a DFS squad, or if you're desperate at wide receiver or have a deep league, you know, maybe Roger Lewis isn't a bad pickup. You know, maybe there's a couple guys you can find some value here. Maybe a Carter Al Patterson is going to step up this week. Maybe Sterling Shepard is going to be able to get it done and get back on the field. So there might be some value here in receiver for those guys, but the number one receiver is actually a tight end, and that's Evan Ingram, the number six tight end this week. Clicking back over to running back, You can count on Marshawn Lynch to be a running back, too, but not so much by anybody on the Giants. I don't have any faith in any of the Giants' running backs, and I don't have faith in Geno Smith. He's a number 25 quarterback this week. I do have a little faith in Derek Carr, but not as much as I should because
0: Oakland Mm. has been able to get some pass rush. I'm sorry, the Giants have been able to get some pass
1: rush lately. So look for that to be a factor because it seems to be that Oakland can't keep the pocket open. Carr's trying to step up into the pocket, and the, tack- the tackles on the defense or the ends are rushing the linemen back into the pocket, and making the pocket collapse from the inside, and that's mm-hmm. not a good thing for your quarterback. So look for some decent play from a couple players, but not so much from the receiver standpoint.
0: Yeah, for this matchup between the Giants and the Raiders, you know, if the Raiders were a better team this year, this would be a great boost for your playoffs. Now they are five and six, so they could go six and six, and the Chargers could go six and six, and the Chiefs could go six and six. And that leaves a very interesting AFC West as we move forward outside of Week 13 toward the playoffs because somebody has to take the division. So as far as this game goes, Eli Manning, yeah, I know he hasn't had a great turn, but he's the only guy to beat the Patriots. I mean, you look at how many teams have beaten the Patriots in recent history and how many teams have beaten them in the Super Bowl. I mean, Eli Manning, you got to feel bad for this. It looks like that's going to be... One of these, it looks like for Eli Manning that the Swan song has started to play a little bit in the background and it may get louder. Evan Ingram is the only guy I feel good about, but he's a high end two, not a tight end one because of the switch over to Geno Smith, who could be the guy that, you know, beats out or ties Nathan Peterman and gets five interceptions in this game. If not, makes more mistakes. As far as Oakland goes, Derek Carr, not a bad choice because of the game that he's in. Marshawn Lynch, not a bad choice because of the game that he's in. Corderell Patterson, not a bad choice because of the game that he's in. And Amari Cooper depends on how healthy he's going to be moving forward in this game. Really quick note on injuries. Corderell is questionable. Amari's got a concussion and an ankle injury that have left him questionable. And Michael Crabtree is still suspended because he's an idiot. So, And, and, and I could say that because he screwed over my team because he decided to get in a fight over a very, it's just stupid. It's absolutely stupid. Millions of dollars and being an idiot. So, Michael Crabtree, get to know what football is about. Understand you get paid millions of dollars to give up 16 weeks of your life to play games if you don't make the playoffs. So, please do better in the future. But this game's going to get ugly for the Giants, I think, real quick. Outside of Evan Ingram, like I said, there's really nobody. Carolina at New And I'm going to get into the Eli Manning thing later on in the show. Carolina at New Orleans. Thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be an all-New Orleans game. New Orleans plays better at home. Drew Brees plays better at home. But there's going to be a lot of fantasy value on both sides of the ball here. Cam Newton, number six quarterback this week. Drew Brees, number seven quarterback this week. If you're looking at running backs. Well, I got Mark Ingram And Alvin Kamara, both 5 and 8 in running back rankings. That's a high ranking for two running backs on the same team. And then you know what? Christian McCaffrey's a heck of a player, especially if you're in PPR. So you got value there. He's the number 18 running back this week. And receiver-wise, well, I know Michael Thomas has had trouble scoring some touchdowns, but he's still the number 7 receiver this week. And on the other side of the ball, Devin Funchess is leading the way for Carolina. He's taken over that number one role, and he's a, a low-end wide receiver one for you this week. Tight end position, Greg Olsen still kind of dinged up. Looks like he may have re-injured that foot. He's probably going to be on a very limited snap count. And I don't really have anybody to report on from the New Orleans side because, well, no one's been able to step up and take the place of, well, Jimmy Graham since he's left. So maybe Jimmy Graham's going to come back in free agency next year. But this year, the value in this game is really in the running backs, the quarterbacks, and you got two wide receiver plays that are pretty good.
0: Yeah, as far as Carolina goes, anything injury-wise, Christian McCaffrey's shoulder injury is questionable. Olsen's foot injuries left him questionable and was held out of practice on Thursday. Thumb and shoulder injury to Cam Newton, but you know that he'll pretty much play through anything. He's questionable for the game. As far as the Saints go on their side, Kobe Fleener's concussions left him doubtful and that's really all injuries on that side. For this game, you know, Cam Newton, not a bad play. Devin Funches, Christian McCaffrey, if he's good enough to go, all of those guys are pretty good plays. But I lean on the side of the Saints with Drew Brees, Elvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, Ted Ginn Jr., Michael Thomas. All of those are worthy of playing. Elvin Kamara more than anybody else, and Mark Ingram behind that, and then Drew Brees, and then we go from there. The Los Angeles Rams at the Arizona Cardinals. Thoughts? against a tough Jacksonville defense,
1: he was able to lead that team to a victory there. And, you know, you can't argue with a win. You know, so Blaine Gabbard's still going to get the nod. I still don't believe in him. He's the number 21 quarterback this week. You know, And, and when you go on the other side of the ball, Derek Goff made leaps and bounds improvements over last year. He's the number nine quarterback this week, even against that Arizona defense. The key with the Arizona defense is, That number one receiver on the other side of the ball is going to be smothered by Patrick Peterson. But other than that, the rest of the defense has given up a lot of passing yards. So the idea is to find where those guys are. Well, you're going to be able to find where some of those guys are by well, just watching the game. The guy you want to look at, though, in my opinion, is not necessarily a Sammy Watkins, but a Cooper Cup. This is a guy who demands coverage in the red zone. He gets the most targets in the red zone. So I find him to be the highest value receiver at number 24. Now I got Sammy Watkins ranked at number 23. But again, he's going to be smothered by Patrick Peterson. So keep your expectations in check. Sammy Watkins has been inconsistent this year as well. So the value at receiver is in Cooper Cup. Now on the other side of the ball, well, not so much. Running back is the value here with Todd Gurley, the number two running back. You know that, of course. And then watch out for Adrian Peterson to maybe make a resurgence here. He's been inconsistent. He's been kept in check by a lot of teams. But I got him ranked as the number 20 running back this week. And on the tight end front, well, not so much on either side of the ball. Although there has been one guy who's been turning it on recently, and that's Ricky Seals-Jones. So if you're in a pinch at tight end, maybe you're counting on Greg Olson to come back. Maybe a Ricky Seals-Jones, he might get you 40, 50 yards and a touchdown.
0: Yeah, in this game, and I want to make a quick note here, for those of you that are looking forward to the conversation with Enrico Mastriani live here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, Marywood Pacers men's basketball head coach with me. We are coming up with that in just a few minutes right after we close out fantasy football here. So for those of you that have joined the show to hear Enrico Mastriani, he is coming up. Los Angeles at Arizona, my thoughts on this game as far as you know, staying away from injuries and whatnot. I would say Todd Gurley II. I like him in this one. Cooper Cup is a high-end wide receiver three because of inconsistency. Those are the guys I feel good about. Sammy Watkins as a flex. As far as Arizona goes, I would look at their special teams because I think they might be able to do something with that special teams, defensive special teams. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones, not a bad play in this game. Larry Fitzgerald's been really quiet. But it's hard to keep him off. He's a high-end wide receiver three. And if Adrian Peterson's good enough to go, he's worth a look at a running back three. But I lean more on the side of Los Angeles getting it done offensively than Arizona. But Arizona may try to steal some points in their defense and special teams. Philadelphia at Seattle. Thoughts on this?
1: Well, it's a great game for some great quarterback play. Russell Wilson, number two quarterback this week. Carson Wentz right behind him at number four this week. The challenge is going to be finding a solid running back on either side of the ball. Of course, Seattle's had their challenges. It looks like Mike Davis might be back. Uh, we talked about Dede McKissick in a recent past, but Mike Davis may make it back on the field. So those are some low-end flex-type guys you may want to consider. You know, receiving the ball, Doug Baldwin's a staple as far as Seattle goes, and as far as Philadelphia goes, you got to go with Alshon Jeffrey. He's a borderline. Wide receiver one, wide receiver two. And, of course, tight end play is paramount for both of these teams. Zach Ertz, arguably one of the top three tight ends week in, week out. And Jimmy Graham just outside of that ranking at number five.
0: Yeah, this matchup between the two of them, as far as it goes, I mean, I lean on the side of Philadelphia on their nine-game winning streak. They're going to be at Seattle against the 12th man, but Seattle struggled in a lot of things. I don't think they have enough weapons to defeat Philadelphia scoring on offense so when I look at this Carson Wentz in this game uh, Corey Clement as well as Jay Ajayi and Lagarrett Blunt have all gotten touches none of them are bad plays for you as a running back three Jay Ajayi is a low end two for me and then outside of that Zach Ertz, Elshon Jeffrey, and Nelson Aguilar any of those guys and Nelson might have been dropped so you can pick him up quickly to give him an opportunity on the other side of this outside of Looking at a Paul Richardson or Jimmy Graham, who's questionable if he's okay to go. Either one could be an option for you. Russell Wilson could be a play because he's going to run the ball and he's going to pass the ball. But I, le- I lean on the side of Philadelphia to not only win this game, but potentially get some points on Seattle as well. Maybe some that would shock the hometown crowd. Final game, Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. What do you have for this one?
1: Yeah, this should be all Pittsburgh. You know, P- Pittsburgh's looked good. Looks like they've been able to turn on the light switch as far as the offense. Ben Roethlisberger went from being against the Jaguars and talking about retirement, and maybe he doesn't have it anymore. To well, now he's a number eight quarterback this week. On the other side of the ball, I can't say quite as much, but that's strictly because of the Pittsburgh defense and their ability to pressure the quarterback with JJ Watt's little brother and and and. There. They they got an opportunity to really affect what Cincinnati has been trying to do. Now, Cincinnati had a rough start this year offensively. Fired a coordinator, and now it looks like they've been able to get some tread. looks like they've been able to get some things going offensively, but I think that's going to be brought back to reality uh, on Monday night against Pittsburgh. Of course, if you have Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown, those are the number one guys in their respective positions. You know, Cincinnati, you can't really say as much, except for A.J. Green, number nine wide receiver, Constantly in the play as the wide receiver one, week in, week out. He's the staple there. And, of course, Tyler Croft has been able to turn it on and get things done, but you got to keep your expectations in check there. He's the number 18 tight end this
0: week. Yeah, in this matchup, and Tyler Croft with a wrist injury, so just make sure you watch out on that one. With Pittsburgh at Cincinnati, my expectations are on Pittsburgh to get things done. They almost lost to Green Bay recently here, so you'll want to do something on Monday night to prove that you're better than that. Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown all worth the plays in this game. Martavis Bryant is a low-end wide receiver, too. As far as Cincinnati goes, I don't like any of the running backs. I haven't. I know Joe Mixon had a good week, but He's a running back three, high-end at best for me in this one. A.J. Green is somebody to look at as a low-end wide receiver, too. And those are my quick thoughts on Cincinnati. So, with that being said, week 13 of the NFL Fantasy Football-Wise, proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York. You're home for fantasy watching this weekend and every week. Mike, as always, of Hall of Fame, fantasyfootball.com. Thanks for being a part of the show, buddy.
1: Sounds good. We'll talk to you next
0: time. Thanks, man. All right, take care. That coming from Mike Sapka, Hall of Fame Fantasy Football